this week an article was making its rounds on Facebook. Probably not in your circles, but in my circles they were. Uh, it was written from a Baptist media group, and the author of the article is a pastor in Oklahoma. He was sharing about this diverse online group of pastors that he was a part of recently, where one of the pastors shared on the call that they had been having suicidal thoughts during this time of trying to minister in COVID-19. By the end of the call, four pastors out of 10 admitted the same. I think these may be high numbers, and I don't know anything about the group other than most of these were experienced pastors, not new pastors. Here are a few of the stories that were shared by this group. One pastor shared the heartbreaking story of going back to church too early and losing a church member to COVID-19, a beloved church member. Another shared how congregants were daily emailing him with threats to leave the church if they didn't reopen immediately and withholding their tithes until then. One pastor was fired. Her husband passed away several years ago, leaving her alone as a single parent with two young children. And she was trying to navigate uh, COVID-19, being a pastor with two small children at home. And uh, the church wasn't pleased with how she was doing that and that she wasn't giving them enough energy. And so they fired her in the middle of this pandemic. Another pastor was forced to lay off half the church's staff members because so many of the church's congregants lost their jobs and are unable to give right now. I know of another pastor, this is the author of this article, who wasn't in this particular meeting, but who after preaching about race one week, a congregant came to the church office and kicked his office door off its hinges in an attempt to incite the pastor into a fist fight. One shared that the survey results the congregation took about whether they should return to in-person worship or not resulted in a nearly perfect 50-50 split, with several members writing in the comments section that they would leave the church if, one, it didn't open immediately, or two, if it attempted to open at all. Now, I know this is a weird way to start out a sermon, (laughs) and I don't share these stories to criticize other churches or, or to be dramatic about what it's like to be a pastor during this time, but they do tell a story that I keep hearing from ministers I'm coaching and consulting with, if if maybe not quite as dramatic. I know um, I share this because I can say I've never felt any of these things as a part of Mosaic. I know that what we're doing is not ideal in any other circumstances. I know every week is not a home run kind of worship and kind of sermon. Sometimes you need grace and you hear judgment. Sometimes you need a word that motivates and moves you forward and you hear something else. But we are here to be church together. Sometimes we forget how unique Mosaic is. If you don't live in that world, that other world that those articles, the churches that that article was written about, um, if you haven't been burned by one of those churches, you don't know how unique, uh, you don't know that this is how a church can be and, and how unique Mosaic is. A year ago, we started having some hard conversations about who we are as a church. 
if we could and should move forward. We decided that this community, this larger community, needed mosaic. We were convicted that we offered something different that people were looking for, and that is still true. We're a community that's welcoming and affirming in a society where many are looking for a place where they can be fully accepted and included, where they can invite others to come and know they will not be judged, but will be fully loved and accepted. We're a community where we don't all agree theologically on everything, but we move forward in love around the things that really matter. We're a church that says it is okay, even encourages you to have questions and to keep learning. We're a church that thrives to be authentic. Those of you who started this church said that you wanted a community where you could come and fully be yourselves. You could be honest about what you're going through. You wanted a place where church was not performative or or just something that you do to be good. We are a church that is nimble and tries new things. We plan for meaningful worship that doesn't fit into any one kind of descriptive box. You have grace for your ministers. That's that's why I'm here, getting paid way less than even my predecessor did and and less than other jobs I was interviewing for at the time I, I took this job. That's why we have a new associate pastor coming who's who's leaving a full-time job to join me in this multivocational work of, of piecing a salary together. We are a church that has a heart for our community. Our plans may have been thwarted this year for reaching out and connecting and serving the community so far, but being deeply rooted in the community is in the DNA of Mosaic, and it will be a part of the future of Mosaic. We're a church that has moved forward in making some very big decisions without a lot of drama this year, <laughs> including moving to a new location. Before we were forced into this online location that we're in now, we're a church that says we don't want to just sit with money in our savings accounts, keeping us comfortable. We want to use that as an investment and a resource to move us out of homeostasis, to try something new. We want to try. We're a church that's willing to risk. All of these things make us very unique. These are the ways that our congregation is alive. These are the things that we have to offer and to work with. This is an exciting season in the life of our church. Bringing Michael on board moves us into a new place of what's possible. It will allow us to create a strategy for our student ministry, thinking about experiences that we want our students to have, things we want them to learn before they graduate, something that we can tell and invite other students into. We will be able to invest in our community, finding ways to serve our community and give back. We will be able to find places for our larger congregation to plug into the community and coordinate that work. We will be able to offer more pastoral care for those who find their way to our church. But no pastor or associate pastor can save or build a church. That's part, that belief is part of what happens in those stories that I read earlier. 
It will take all of us using our gifts and our resources and finding ways to connect with others. We'll talk a little bit more about like the person side of things uh, next week uh, as we finish up this series of what is church. But the truth is that it will also take our finances to move to the next phase in the life of Mosaic. I did a church financial training earlier this summer And their first suggestion when a church was in a financial crisis was to take a look at the budget. The leaders said, you all know that you have some fluff in your budget that you could get rid of. And I I swelled up with a little bit of pride because I thought we've already done that. We've already made some hard financial decisions. Your leadership team worked hard last fall to create a budget that's tight and reflects where we are right now. Talking about money in church often feels weird, or it feels weird really talking about money anywhere. There are so many judgments that some of us have experienced around money. So much of our own shame. So many of us miraculously living in completely different realities based off of what we've been able to earn with our professions. But the truth is that scripture has some things to say about money about living from a place of generosity and about the care for the least of these. All of those scriptures read earlier were commands for us to give to God out of our first fruits. Some of this giving goes to the worship of God. Some of it goes to the care for the poor, some for the work of the church and to the then synagogue and now our church leaders. I'll be honest, I've struggled a lot with what to say. I've written lots of paragraphs going through all those scriptures again and then deleted them all. And um, uh, I've just taken a lot of different tactics at trying to, to find a healthy way to approach this topic because of the reasons I just stated. And But it feels like too important of a conversation that we need to have to just ignore the topic. And so I've decided to talk from my own perspective about why I give. I tithe my salary here back to Mosaic, one, because God has commanded me to. Most of us have grown up in cultures where we can find things cheaply and often free online. I get frustrated when I try to click for a news article and it tells me I have to subscribe in order to read it. I mean, how dare they? I mean, this should all just be free for me to consume. And I'm willing to pay a little bit each month for Spotify or Hulu so I don't have to listen to ads. So I'm not inconvenienced in any way. But I do so knowing that paying those small fees does not really give back to the artists who created that work. It's part of our culture where we're able to consume so much of the art, so much of the information without having to pay the real price for it. And then those things begin to lose some of their value to us. It's easy to forget how much things cost. But when things really matter to me, when I really want to support the work of someone or a cause, when I want to pay someone for what they've created, I pay the price. And in turn, the price and the whatever I'm paying for means so much more. When we were little in our family, um, our parents would give us our dollar allowance in dimes so that we could give a tenth or a tithe. That's what tithe means, a tenth. 
back in the offering plate. Now, I know now that our dime did not make much difference in the life or the budget of that church, but it taught us that what we had was supposed to be shared, was supposed to be given back to God as a reminder to what we had, whatever it was, that what we had was a gift from God. It was to remind us that God was the God of our whole lives, including our finances. And that is why I tithe. The idea of first fruits that were in the scripture that was read earlier means that we give to God first, not with what is left over. There are some who will say that if you give to God first, if you just start tithing, all of your money problems will be over. That would be lovely. And for some, that may be very true. I have not found that to be true all the time for me. There have been seasons where I've had exactly what I needed, and sometimes that was a stretch. And I've had nothing more. Actually, most often than not, I feel like the minute I feel like I'm getting ahead a little, being able to put something in savings uh, for when a rainy day comes in the future, or maybe something that I want to do later on, um, that rainy day comes a lot sooner than I thought it would. And I realize that I have just enough, which is still pretty remarkable in itself. Giving first and steadily every month um, through Realm I am uh, means for me that I'm saying I will give every month. It's an act of trusting in God that I will be able to take care of what's needed with the amount that's left over. It also reminds me, though, that what I have is not just for me. I am called to be a blessing to others. I tithe my salary also back to Mosaic because of how it changes me when I give. When I set up that automatic payment, it says that I will give to others and to the work of God no matter what else is going on. I'm not waiting to see if God is going to be faithful enough or if nothing too bad happens. Tithing reminds me of what I do have. It forces me to focus on what I have and not just what I want or what I need. Generosity also makes you happier. It is scientifically proven. Researchers at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, working on a new collaborative project with the National Institute on Mental Health and the National Institute on Aging, all that's a mouthful, have discovered that there is a physiological basis for the warm glow that seems often to accompany altruistic giving. Generosity makes you healthier. When you do something good for another person, you encourage the release of endorphins, otherwise known as the feel-good chemicals in your body, which brings about a helper's high and helps to fight stress. Research has also proven that having a generous attitude greatly improves one's immune system, extends a person's lifespan, and acts as an antidote to pain. Perhaps most importantly to me, I tithe to Mosaic because it's something I believe in. I left a full-time job with benefits to take this very part-time salary. 
which I don't know if folks know this, and, I, and I'm not about to say this for a pat on the back or to be dramatic, but but I make about two-thirds of what Andy made, which his wasn't a full-time salary either uh, because of where the church is right now. But I did that because this is a place that I believe in. I have a doctorate and had 19 years of ministry, ministry experience when I came. But I was in a ministry job that was just propping up an institution. It was propping up a denominational institution and the institution of the church. We were living in fear constantly that the money would go away. We were living in fear that people might think that we were too conservative or too liberal, and it was paralyzing the organization from answering the call of God to actually do something in the world. I felt like the world was burning And we were just trying to prop up the ashes rather than finding the root causes of the fire. I wanted to be in a place where the church was actually being the church. And so I don't mind the financial sacrifice. It doesn't make it any less easy some days to try to piece it together or find where where that salary is going to come from. But I wouldn't go back to that full-time job with the benefits for anything. I wanted to be in a church where The church was um, talking about racism, where we were welcoming of all people, where the programs were not driving the church and keeping us busy and numb from what was happening in the world. I wanted to be in a church where we were nimble and creative. I wanted those things because I believe the world wants and needs those things. And that's why I tithe. I tithe because I believe this community needs a church like Mosaic. I believe we all who are on this call and and beyond need need a church like Mosaic. There are those of you who are already tithing or giving sacrificially. And we all thank you. You are making this possible. I want to be very clear that my goal is not to shame anybody this morning. Or to set up a new rule that if you don't give to financial, give financially to Mosaic, that you don't get to participate. Please hear that. There is a grace. These are tough financial times we find ourselves in in this country. And some of you are experiencing that in different, more difficult ways. Even before the pandemic, most of us have not seen our pay match the rising cost of living. Some of us literally just have that dime to give. Those things can all be true, and we can still find ways to be generous. I want to challenge us all this morning to think about how we see our money, how we spend our money. Is there room in our budgets for fluff that could be given to the work of God? For some of you, there aren't. But for some of us, there is fluff that we can let go of to give to God. We won't all give the same amount, but we should all be making sacrifice. And that's not just true of Mosaic. That is true of every church, of every God follower. But specifically, if Mosaic matters to us, if we want Mosaic to continue, we all need to look at the financial resources we have and not just think about what's missing, but think about what we have to give from. I do believe that in a world that is becoming more and more divided, 
where people feel more isolated, where people feel more judged, there are a growing number of folks who are looking for a church like Mosaic. Let's make the investment in something we believe in for our community and for our world. Let's live in the weird paradox of the freedom of knowing that all we have is not ours. That is the invitation this morning. Have conversations with families. Look individually at your budget. Reflect on the way you use your resources. And let's all find new ways to live into the promise read in that scripture in 2 Corinthians 8.15. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Will you pray with me?